0: Hello, hello, everyone. Bada-bing,
1: bada-bam. Bada Boom.
0: Exactly.
1: Bada-bing, bada-bam. He's
0: new here. Sorry. <laughs> Welcome to this week's episode of Baking a Mystery. <laughs> I'm your host, Stephanie Sue, And today, if you guys are watching the visuals, either on YouTube or Spotify, we are actually going to be making watermelon rice triangles. It's essentially <laughs> just straight up rice, but it looks like a watermelon. Does it taste like a watermelon? Absolutely freaking not. It tastes like rice with some pork in the middle, so that's what we're making and we're also talking about a movie today Which I can't even give you an intro. I feel like anything is gonna spoil it But it is about a man Mm -hmm. who puts his whole life who risks everything Everything I'm talking millions and millions and millions of dollars
1: On what? Casino? On a woman. No (laughs) <laughs> and what happens? And like? How the, typical! Did the how use
0: typical! Them? You will see. You will see. Oh, this
1: is. Oh, relatable. oh.
0: This is all gonna go into the very rich world of auctions. Okay, here's what I need you to do. Yeah. I need you to just kind of like air out the rice, you I know, while say. I while I mix what? some red beet powder into means, this okay. giant okay. thing of rice. Okay. So I'm gonna take you into the world of auctions. Did you know that rich people they don't like, just like to buy things? They like to fight for it. Like, why pay the price that's on the tag? Why not make up the price with your other rich friends and up it and up it and go more and deeper and into this? You know, it's a game. That's There's why rich people like it.
1: Satisfaction when something that you get mm-hmm. and your friend Doesn't couldn't get. Mm. Mm. So it's kind of like a uh, greed, not greed, but jealousy. Uh- mm. I would just say it's competition. It's like you win.
0: It's like The Bachelor, right? Like, I'm sure the appeal is more there because everybody wants that person. Honey, that
1: color does not look like watermelon to me. I'm getting very stressed right now, actually. (laughs) Like, I don't
0: know if you could see it on my face, but I'm incredibly stressed out about this. Are you eating rice right now?
1: No, just one piece.
0: I like it, okay. Well, I'm gonna invoice you for that one piece. Okay. (laughs) so in the world of auctions you know you go up to that podium and you're looking at things that honestly don't tickle my pickle like a restored renaissance chest made of walnut wood with 16th century handles like what the fork is that (laughs) give me a crate and barrel new dresser okay i don't want to auction for this i don't want to bid for this Mm -hmm. but that is the world of rich people now let me tell you about one of the best auctioneers is that what you call it someone who hosts the auction so we're at this you know auction that's Mm -hmm. being held by virgil oldman the old man he's in his 60s he wears perfectly tailored perfectly cut suits like the man is very wealthy he wears gloves all the time like if i saw him out and about i'd be like That man is, he's worth a lot of money. He's cultured. He probably likes to talk about antique furniture. Like, that's his jam, right? Mm -hmm. And he loves it. You can just feel the passion through the screen. As he's walking around this old abandoned mansion, essentially. It's actually not abandoned at all. That's like the thriller wannabe in me, okay? It's like a beautiful mansion. It's just a little bit unkept. And he's walking around, surveying all of the antique pieces. And that's when he sees it in the dark, cluttered corner Mm -hmm. of the mansion, covered in mold, is like a plaque. It's just like a plaque. It's just like a block of wood, right? Mm -hmm. But he goes over and he gives it a big whiff. Just all that mold into his lungs, straight up, and he smells something that we don't smell. It's not just mold intoxication. No, it's not. It's money. He smells something rich. So there's three women behind him and they're all dressed head to toe in fur coats. So you can kind of get the vibe that um, these women inherited this house and now they're the ones putting it up for sale. Like auctioning everything inside of it. Mm -hmm. Essentially an estate sale for rich people. And he's studying the crap out of this piece. And so everybody's asking, like the three women in the fur coats are like, oh, is this something important? Is this something that we need to put up for auction? Exactly how much are we looking at?
1: Is that a painting or is that a piece of wood? It's a piece
0: of wood, like moldy wood. (laughs) It's a piece of wood. And he said, if you were kind enough to let me have this as a gift, I would be delighted to accept, which honestly is such a rich cultured way of saying, give it to me, right? Mm. That's what Virgil Oldman said. And so the woman that looks like the wife of the owner of the house, I guess, right, she's the eldest one in the fur coat, she comes up and she says, well, I'm not going to give it to you because I don't remember that one. And he says, well, to you, it may look like moldy wood, but centuries ago, this just might. Have been a painting under all this mold but we wouldn't know until we take it to a restorer so they agree to have it sent to a restorer right and oddly the movie just like cuts to seeing virgil getting ready for this auction so before we actually head to the auction where he starts you know selling off these pieces for like millions of dollars mm-hmm. we see him get ready for the day and this guy is where he just- sells paintings So he's the auctioneer person. Like his whole job is to go and authenticate pieces. He wakes up and he spends the day doing all of these like fancy things. He's kind of like an art house, like a Sotheby's, Mm. but like a personal, you know, he runs it. Mm. So that's Virgil Oldman. So in the mornings, he wakes up. Why? You got a question?
1: No, 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 how do you know if he's credible? They're reputable. Yeah. Mm. so mm-hmm. when you're an auctioneer like those people who auction things like they just they can tell art and they have a reputation on the line but, and the, but there are scams like we talked about it, it in the sure. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah Stephanie talked about it there yeah. was an old lady just scammed oh, yeah. millions and millions and of dollars for years and years
0: I mean this whole art world is Crazy, you could just buy it at the antique shop for like $20 a pop. <laughs> Most of this stuff was like $5 a pop. No, and this guy over no. here was bargaining.
1: No, he was like, I'll
0: take all $10. three of these.
1: The, the, the family right behind you? Oh,
0: yeah, that one was one That one,
1: that one's like $130. Yeah, that
0: one was and that was an
1: authentic piece. Apparently, the artist yeah. is very famous. famous. Yes, that one. Wow.
0: So, anyways, Virgil wakes up in the morning and he walks over to his lines of suits. I mean, this guy lives in a hotel. This is a hotel suite, so you already know that he's rich, but the minute that I tell you he actually owns the entire hotel building (laughs) Yeah, 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 and he just ends up living in a suite, so this guy is loaded I mean he must make a pretty penny from all these rich people in their paintings He wakes up, goes to his lines and lines of suits, picks the perfect one, and then He stands in front of his glove display, like those fancy gloves that he wears every single day to do auctions. Well, he wears them nonstop. Virgil's kind of a like a a germaphobe. He doesn't like touching people. Mm. He doesn't even like touching people's belongings. He doesn't even like touching people's art, something that he's so obsessed with. So he picks his display of gloves for the day. Right. He puts them on and he goes downstairs so that he can eat a meal. And it's very much given like New York meets European antique vibes. Like his whole, he's got. Sculptures all over his house, like beautiful paintings. Wow. Right, he just goes like down, just,
1: just like us. Just like us. Just like us.
0: Given very much
1: <laughs> Picasso vibes.
0: Picasso, yeah, <laughs> for sure. Picasso and Mango's poopoo vibes. Oh. It's just the scent. <laughs> that scent is vintage, you know. So he goes downstairs to the hotel restaurant, and um, there's just waiters, like in suits, waiting to greet him. He sits down alone at the table, and the food, of course is the tiniest portion that you'll ever see. This just looks like it spent three years to plate that thing and it's gonna take two seconds to eat it all. He starts with a glass of champagne and while he's sitting there minding his own damn business, he realizes that everybody around him is kind of staring at him, kind of looking at him and something just feels wrong, right? Mm -hmm. So is it his suit? Is it his gloves? What's going on, right? They're whispering now. He starts to feel self-conscious and then a waiter approaches with a cake. The management and the staff would like to offer our best wishes. And they pull out a small cake, an ancient recipe of a renaissance dessert made of cream and bitter almonds with Help. one candle on top. It's Virgil's birthday. Happy birthday, Mr. Oldman. Mm. And Virgil looks uncomfortable. He said, oh, thank you. I mean, I would look uncomfortable, too. Why are you feeding me an ancient cake? Give me a tiramisu and call it a day, right? I mean, what the heck? An ancient Roman cake with bitter almonds? That sounds like something your doctor tells you to eat, not a birthday cake, okay? So he's he's looking at it, and the waiter gives him some privacy. He doesn't blow out his candle. He doesn't even really take a bite of the cake. He just watches the candle burn all the way down until it fizzles out. Now, the waiters are nervous because this is not just a customer. This is not just someone staying at the hotel. This is the hotel owner. (laughs) So they freak out and they come very apologetically like, is the cake not to your liking, Mr. Oldman? We can definitely make another one. I'm so sorry. And he says, no, no, no. My birthday's tomorrow. Quite the contrary. I'm just a bit superstitious. So he gets up, and he leaves. And in the hallway of his hotel, he's greeted by his secretary, who is another fellow old man, and uh, he's just chasing him down, like, okay, well, today we gotta do this. This is on the schedule today, and the director of the Vatican Museum wants you to call him back immediately. And he's like, oh, the Vatican can wait, right? They head to his office, I know rich people, the Vatican can wait, okay, they head to his office, it's filled with statues, there's this giant table, overflowing with gifts, and the secretary is like, Mr. Oldman, what would you like to do with the gifts? Oh, send them to my place, I guess. He says, okay, Uh, I guess he doesn't care to open these pile of wonderful gifts, and he starts looking at them, and then the phone rings. That's the tradition, Mr. Oldman. You have to answer the first phone call of the day because it could be good luck. And you don't want to miss good luck on your birthday.
1: It's not his birthday. Oh,
0: it's the next day. Sorry. (laughs) So anyways... He goes to pick up the phone. And now you can tell that Virgil never picks up his phone. That's like the secretary's job. Virgil actually hates cell phones. He thinks it's like just germ transporting devices. He thinks it's disgusting. He doesn't own a cell phone. And I mean, this is not like an olden day movie. Like it's like set in present day, but he does not own a cell phone. So he picks it up. Hello. And it's a woman. She says, I have no wish to waste your time, sir. Okay. Who is this? It's Claire Ibetson. Please don't hang up on me. So it seems like Claire thinks that she's talking to Virgil's secretary and not Virgil, right? Mm-hmm. And um, she says, I don't know anyone else that can do this. I'm on my own. And Virgil's losing his patience. I'm sorry, Mrs. Abitson, but this is this is not a helpline. She says, I must not be explaining myself very well. I don't speak with many people. Well, that's a very good stroke of good fortune. Talking to people is, is a pain. Well, it's about the furniture at my parents' house. They, uh, they, about a year ago, I understand Mrs. Abitson. so this Claire woman, I mean, she's saying that her parents died, and she doesn't know what to do with all of their stuff. She said that their estate has always been referred to as being highly valuable, extremely valuable. She doesn't really have pictures of any of this stuff, but she's looking for, um, what do you, what do you call it? And he's like, evaluation? You want evaluation? And she says, yes, exactly. That's what I want. And that's why I want to speak to Mr. Oldman. And he's like, okay, does Mr. Oldman even know you? Now, this is Virgil talking, right? So she still has no idea that she's talking to Mr. Oldman. And she says, no, not at all. But I was always told that if my parents were to ever die, the only person that I could entrust with all of my parents' very extremely antique, valuable things, paintings, sculptures, furniture, is Mr. Oldman. And so he tells her, but listen, Mr. Oldman's assistants are the ones responsible for the evaluations, so you can definitely make an appointment with one of them. And she's very upset by this. Perhaps I didn't make myself clear. I must speak to him in person. So this kind of intrigues him a little bit. Like, what is going on, right? Mm -hmm. He said, before my dad died, like, this is the only person I'm supposed to trust personally. So he kind of agrees to it. Now we're back to the auction podium with Virgil's name on it. And he's just super fancy. This guy is like, ladies and gentlemen, it gives me great pleasure to present to you Lot 231, a refracting elongated telescope by Galileo himself. Can we open the bid at 1 million euros? Listen. You better believe I would be silent. I would be pretending like I didn't just hear it. But the room just bursts into chaos. Everybody is bidding 1.1, 1.2, 1.3. Eventually, it sells at 2 million euros. 2.7 million euros. And then the next piece, a painting starting at the low price of 10,000 euros. An older man in the crowd, let's call him Snow because he is President Snow from Hunger King. <laughs> <laughs> he, has a, he has a name in the movie. It's Billy, but he definitely looks like Snow, okay? So Snow, he raises his hand and he says, 20,000. Okay, anything else? 21, 22. Eventually, it sells for $30,000 from Virgil to the older man, Snow. But we find out after the auction that Virgil and Snow actually know each other and that they are together in on this beautiful library, right? They're sitting there and Snow is showing him the painting that he just bought for $30,000. And he says, beautiful, isn't it? Very. Virgil, you never miss a trick, do you? Who is this really? So Virgil says, the real artist of that painting is a man by the name of Yangtze, a Russian painter who died in the late 80s Uh, He only really did landscapes, but he did, among all his landscapes, just three. Just three portraits of women his entire life. So Virgil, you're saying this is one of them? Exactly. Virgil tosses him a stack of cash, and he says double on this one. And the man kind of looks disappointed. Snow looks a little bit disappointed. So, I mean, immediately you can kind of put two and two together. So, Snow paid $30,000 for this, right? Mm -hmm. But Virgil is paying him $60,000 to take the painting. But the painting is not worth $60,000. It's probably worth millions of euros, if not hundreds of thousands of euros. He knows. So Virgil told everybody that this is, oh, this random painter. So let's start the bid at $10,000. So everyone's like, the random painter? Why do I want that? But if he had told them the truth that this is one of Yangtze's one of three portraits, it would have sold for millions of euros.
1: So what's crazy is they actually do this in the real auction. (laughs) Most of the time, what they do is they work with the artist. Mm -hmm. They make it higher. They sell it higher. This artist, let's say, Dendan, right? You made like 10 paintings and you, you work with this auction house and you say, hey, if you can sell one of my paintings for $1 million, that means the rest of the night, my nine paintings, they can probably each sell for $1 million.
0: So I'll give you one?
1: And then I will give you one for free, for example. wow. Even though before I come to you, my painting probably only worth like $1,000. Wow. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. It's all about the market, right? Wow. So it's like market mani- mani- manipulation. Wow. in the art world. That's <laughs> literally what they do. Yeah, that's kind of crazy.
0: So what I'm doing is I'm putting it like a watermelon. Oh. Okay, So this is fluffy pork that I bought from the Chinese market. You know, it's. My, it's I started eating this once I started dating him. It's very <laughs> it's so fascinating. Good. You could put kimchi or whatever else you'd like in the middle.
1: That kind of does look like watermelon.
0: Right? Like you just you. paint the
1: rice to green.
0: Okay, and then I grab the lid mm-hmm. and then I press it down. And then I take it out. It suck.
1: 10 days (laughs) later. (laughs) Oh. Uh, Honey. That's kind of cute.
0: Honey. So then you get some seaweed. Oh my god. Kind of. Look at
1: that. Kind of. Not the best. Uh, We're selling this too, guys. (laughs) Oh my god. I gotta take a
0: bite. I gotta try it, yeah?
1: Does it taste like watermelon? It just probably tastes like rice, huh? I bet. Not a lot of porcelain. It's just rice. (laughs) Yeah.
0: So Snow is shook. Mm-hmm. You're saying that this is one of those three paintings? And Virgil tosses him a fat envelope filled with cash and he says, I'm thinking double on this one, right? Mm-hmm. So Snow bought it for $30,000, he's getting paid $60,000, but he knows that this is worth millions. So of But course, he's
1: making $30,000. Yes, but
0: Virgil is making millions. But he so wouldn't
1: be able to do that without exactly. Omen.
0: But he's feeling a little salty about this whole thing and he looks a little bit annoyed and Virgil does not notice He's got a magnifying glass up to the painting. I mean, he's swept away like this man actually does love the art, right? This dude is busy and uh, snow keeps talking to him. You know Virgil, one of my favorite memories with you is um, When you know, you know Milo Hansen. The up-and-coming artist that you just kind of knew was going to be huge for some reason. So you talked him into giving you a painting for next to nothing. Must be worth a fortune now.
1: Just being suspicious.
0: So Virgil said, You almost sound bitter that you didn't get more. No, no. My only regret is never being able to persuade you that my paintings are evidence of a great artistic talent. And so Virgil says, you have to remember that a love of art and knowing how to hold a brush doesn't make you an artist. You need an inner mystery, something to get people intrigued. And that is something that you've never possessed Snow. So Virgil feels bad for digging on Snow in his, literally his main goal in life was to become an artist, but instead he's buying other people's art for pretty cheap and giving it to Virgil, like they're conning artists, right? So of course Snow doesn't feel good about this. And Virgil looks up, sees his expression, feels bad, and tosses him another envelope and he said you're right double wasn't enough on this one
1: so what triple
0: so snow takes the cash and leaves and Virgil takes the very apparently expensive painting to his uh, that he bought for very cheap back to his hotel and he looks at his glove display while he's holding this painting with his gloves on and he presses a button that opens up a keypad. He enters in his code and unlocks, the glove display literally opens, and it's a secret room. Mm-hmm. And inside of this secret room are dozens and dozens of paintings and a chair so we can only imagine that all of these dozens of paintings are probably worth millions of dollars and he probably got them in very suspicious circumstances like the way that he just got this one it's got polished floors i mean it's a gigantic room a lot of it is portraits of women and like mona lisa type vibe portraits each one was worth more than the last he hangs up his new painting and he sits down on his white little sofa chair just to stare at all of that art that was practically stolen. But for next to nothing, he hangs up his new piece. And the next day, Virgil storms into his office, and he's pissed. Okay, hey, that's a good one. Did you put the pork in the middle? Brain just made a ball of rice.
1: are you supposed to?
0: Bruh, you just made straight up a ball of rice. <laughs> a ball of rice.
1: Oh, I thought this was our snack. Okay, mm. and then dip the bottom to mm. make it like black.
0: It's actually pretty good, if I'm being honest with you.
1: My watermelon.
0: Try your watermelon. Try the bottom, though. The top's not going to be good.
1: The watermelon, bottom of the Watermelon sugar, Hi. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right.
0: All right. Better with the pork, right? You should add pork in the next yeah, one. Yeah, throw some yeah. pork on top. Oh, try it. throwing some pork on top and trying it. Okay. Okay, now try right. it. bite
1: it. Is it good?
0: Pork with rice is good, no?
1: That's how you're supposed to eat it with the rice. This is our breakfast food. Like we eat uh, congee Congee? and that. Mm. Just breakfast.
0: So anyways, Virgil bursts into his office and he's pissed off. He said, are you kidding me? 40 minutes waiting for a client. 40 minutes to be exact. But she never showed up. The freaking disrespect, he hops onto the phone and is screaming. His entire staff is terrified, like his, their boss is screaming, right? He said, never in my 36 years of business, I have never had anyone who had the gall to keep me waiting. What a disgrace, a display of horrible bad manners. And it's Claire on the other line, and she's crying. Please let me explain, I tried to call you. That is no excuse Nobody answered, I didn't have your mobile number. Well, I don't have a mobile phone. And he hangs up.
1: He's got a bit of an attitude, huh? Yeah, I I mean,
0: he's a passionate man, okay? So, I mean, I guess the phones are not artistic enough. I don't know why he doesn't have a mobile phone. That seems kind of dangerous, to be honest. But imagine Virgil. Imagine showing artistic Virgil an NFT. Can oh you just imagine God. like his trauma? He would die on the spot. He would literally punch me in the face and yell at me. So he goes back to examining the moldy piece that he got as a gift from those uh, women, right? From the mansion. And his secretary opens the door. It's a woman on the phone. Claire. Well, tell her to go to hell. Sir, she's crying. Serves her right. She was on the car on the way to meet you. And uh, she, was, she was hit by another car. That's no concern of mine, that has nothing to do with me. What she was doing on her way to our appointment. Mr. Oldman, she was left unconscious and in a pool of blood when the ambulance came. She's at the hospital. Fine, give me the phone. So he puts up the receiver to his ear and he says, yes. Mr. Oldman, please forgive me. I had no intention of being in any way disrespectful. I mean, it's—it's seriously, it was nothing that I could have controlled. I was hit by a car. Nothing too serious, I hope. No, no, thankfully, I mean, the doctor said that I can get out tomorrow, but please, can I, can I see you tomorrow? And she sets up a new appointment, and there's silence at first, but he says, fine, but first... Virgil has to head on over to the lab. So remember that moldy little plaque that he was just looking at with a yeah. magnifying glass? Mm-hmm. Well, he's meeting the rich heiresses there to have it restored. And I think that if it's worth a lot of money that they're not gonna give it to him as a gift, they're gonna take it back and try to auction it off, right? Mm-hmm. And at first, the restorers, they were able to take away a lot of the mold and you see a painting underneath of a woman in a dress. And it's, it's not the perfect condition, the paint isn't vibrant, it's a little bit dark. But uh, one of the women just says, we just want to know how much it's gonna sell for. Is it anything important? Is it a good one? And Virgil is looking at the piece. mean, he's studying it. He's breathing all over it. He says, hmm, it's a fake. What, how is that possible? Our father never bought fakes. He was a world renowned art collector. Like that's not, It's and it's beautiful. Look at it. It looks like it's centuries old. Look at how pretty the painting is I didn't say that it wasn't beautiful. I said it wasn't authentic Mm. And the restoration tech butts in and says From our analysis of the pigments, I mean, and the wood, we thought it was pre-17th century And Virgil says even older Well, then it must be worth something, Virgil Well, yes and no It's a work by the Valiant A female forger of the 16th century. She copied masterpieces, but she couldn't sign them because she was a woman. So she would mark them with her own personal code. Do you see this woman's iris, her eye? The light reflecting off is in the shape of a V. V for Valiant.
1: Wow. The women
0: are sad. And he says, don't be sad. It's worth something. It's just nothing compared to the original, what she was inspired by. The masterpiece she copied. I mean, are you catching Virgil's little plan, his lying? plan his manipulative plan he's not this is not a valiant. this is literally probably the original and he's going to try to buy it with snow and add it to his collection of very deceitfully bought portraits we're just stopping at one watermelon we're not going to give him a watermelon
1: Nah, it's good Are <laughs> you honestly <sure>? i'm so <laughs> good here <laughs>
0: Oh boy, I cannot believe it because we actually got an Audible spot on a bam. Listen, I'm about to get so passionate because I literally use Audible all the time for listening to true crime audiobooks, for podcast research, to listening to thriller audiobooks, the newest mystery audiobooks. I even listen to podcasts on Audible because Audible lets you enjoy all your audio entertainment all in one app. They have an incredible selection of audiobooks across every single genre. Like I'm talking bestsellers, the newest releases, celebrity memoirs mysteries thrillers motivation wellness self-help business whatever you are looking for they've got it they even have this podcast and even rotten mango on there they've got thousands of podcasts honestly from popular favorites to exclusive new series and as an audible member like myself you can choose from one title a month to keep from their entire catalog every single month like it could be the latest bestseller it could be the newest release you even get full access as a member of including included audiobooks and audible originals, and podcasts. You can download and stream their included titles all you want, all your little heart desires, and it's also super easy to use their app because it just makes listening anywhere, anytime super enjoyable. So I could literally go from listening to it on like a tablet while doing the dishes and then head over into my car and listen to it and it never skips my place. It always knows what I'm listening to and it makes everything so much more enjoyable. I use Audible practically every single day. You better believe no matter what I'm doing, I'm probably listening to Audible. And new members can try Audible for free for 30 days if you guys to go to audible.com slash bam or text bam to 500 500 that's audible.com slash bam or text bam to 500 500 thank you audible for sponsoring today's episode So Virgil says, but ladies, I must run. I have an appointment. So he goes and he waits for Claire at the mansion in front of this huge unkept mansion. The walls of the gates, they're decaying. The walls of the mansion. I mean, there's so much vines leading up of it. I mean, but you can tell that when it was in its former glory, this would have been the it mansion. This would have been the place to have all these socialite parties. This would have been the richest house in the neighborhood. It would have been spectacular. But now it's just unkept. So a man walks down and greets him at the gate. Are you Mr. Oldman? Hi, I'm Fred. I'm the caretaker. Please come in. Oh, thank you. What about Mrs. Betson? She sends her apologies, but overnight she was running a temperature and uh, she won't be making it. And Virgil is pissed at this, okay? And he says, but not to worry. She asked you to follow through with evaluation and she instructed me to show you around. And so they walk inside, and they start touring the whole place. And I mean, it's like a rich hoarder house, just littered with antiques, paintings everywhere, sculptures in every single corner. I mean, the mansion, you can tell, like the paint is peeling, the walls are unkept, but the bones of the house, it was beautiful. Like, it, it's such a vibe, it's like one of those antique vibes, right? Mm-hmm. And he's going through, and he's looking around. I mean, every single place that he looks, there's something to look at. And Virgil notices all of the paint falling off, and he says, how long ago did, uh, Claire's parents, uh... Oh, <laughs> I know, by the looks of it, I see what you're getting at. It looks like it would have been centuries ago, but it's only been a year. So Virgil starts looking and browsing some artworks and he starts asking some very nosy questions. Well, how many brothers and sisters did Mrs. Bettson have? Uh, none. She's the only child. Is she married? No. Has she ever been? No, no, I don't think she's even had a boyfriend. Grandparents, aunts, uncles, no, none of that.
1: Why is he so nosy?
0: Right? So strange. She's, as far as I know, she's just on her own. So they get up to the stairs and they walk down the long corridor and finally to the door that Fred needs to jingle and jangle the handle, right? And he unlocks it and the room is breathtaking, like stunning, paintings all over the walls. Like I'm talking, Every single wall is a painting and in the middle are just a table and a chair. Like you know that this is to look at the paintings. It's not a room that you do other things in. It's literally for the paintings. They're sculptures. It feels like a giant storage unit for rich people. It doesn't even look like a house. Like who does this? He says so is she thinking of putting the house up for sale as well. Oh, I, I don't know, if, uh, if it were up to her, she would keep it all, but what can you do? The empire crumbles, the parents die, and a woman on her own can't cope. Which like, okay Fred, obviously you've never met a woman, but that's fine. And uh, Virgil starts poking around, and inside another room, there's a bed, and it looks centuries old. And he's like, wow, that's a good one. In like a rich antique way, not like a hand-me-down way. But next to the bed is like a ton of medication, pill bottles, and IV machines. So it looks like someone was bedridden for a while before they died. Probably Claire's parents. Now, Claire mentioned some sellers, Fred. May I see them? So he's taken down into the basement that is so just dusty. The minute that Virgil steps in, he puts his handkerchief over his mouth, there's cowwebs everywhere. Or cobwebs, I said cowwebs. There's cobwebs cow webs. everywhere. There's dust every surface of every place and fred doesn't go in because he's like that's too dusty for me and he starts looking around in the basement and that's when he sees a little contraption on the ground made of three small wheels like cog wheels and he looks around and he sees that fred isn't looking at him so he picks it up and he pockets it
1: yeah what he takes it yeah what? And
0: after his valuation, he goes into his office and he's staring at this little contraption of wheels. And uh, he's got one of those like fancy, what do you call them, magnifying glasses on, but it's like for... It's one of those fancy ones, and he starts asking a guy by the name of Robert. They'd been working together for years. Now, Robert is a bit younger, and he's known for cleaning up anything mechanical. So, not paintings, he's not good with art. He's also not good with, like, furniture, but in terms of anything mechanical, like sculptures that are mechanical, or these antique pieces that are mechanical, like, this is the guy that Virgil goes to. He says, um, it looks like a piece of ironwork. I, I don't know, nothing special is catching my eye about this object right now. But then Virgil says, but I found this in contact with damp flooring, right? But there's no rust. So that means, that means it hadn't been there very long. That means someone put it there on purpose and why would they put it there on purpose? I need you to find out what it is. So he says, okay, I guess. So Robert gets to work and Virgil leaves. He goes back to his mundane office job where he stands there and people wheel in giant pieces of art, beautiful artwork, and he will either let them know if it's authentic or not. So he says, authentic. They wheel out the 10-foot painting and another team of people wheel in an 8-foot tall painting. And immediately Virgil is interested in it because in the corner of that painting, Mm -hmm. there's a woman curled up on the floor. But her head is buried in a pillow, maybe a pile of sheets or something, and she's sobbing. But on the lower right corner near her knees, there's something on the floor. It's the cogwheels. In the the painting? Yeah. It's the contraption that he had, very similar to the one that he found in Claire's cellar. What? Yeah, so he's like, oh, that's got to be something. Virgil and his team show up the next day at Claire's, just a bunch of dudes in suits doing inventory of everything, all the furniture, all the paintings. They're taking pictures. They're writing down notes. Virgil is overseeing the whole thing, but he's pissed, right? He just, he's pissed that, that Claire is not there. And he says, Fred, it's 1130. The appointment was 830. I know, I know, Mr. Oldman. She said that she was going to come. I know, I know. She, she will come and she will be here. And Virgil gets distracted. And he said, hey, don't touch the piano. The piano doesn't need restoration. And he rushes over and he says, the piano its just loose. It lost a key. We just need to replace the key. It doesn't need to be restored. And the piano tech looks at him and goes, no, the, it opens. The key is right here. And the key was in the little lock. And he's like, that's weird. That wasn't there yesterday. There's no key yesterday. I, I remember that. Oh, well, I'm sorry, Mr. Oldman, I don't know what to tell you. And then another incident. Sir, the glass is broken over here in this cabinet. Do you want us to restore the glass? And Virgil knows that something's not right. Because in his memory, he has amazing memory, by the way. Like, this is his one true pride. This is what got himself to where he is and work. And he's like, what are you talking about? The glass was not broken yesterday. Fred, Fred, can you come over here? Does anybody else live in this part of the house? Do you live here? He says, yeah, but I live in the caretaker section. Nobody else lives here. Why? Well, things are different from the way that they were yesterday. And you're telling me that nobody lives here? Well, in any case, if Claire's not here by noon, I'm leaving. I'm suspending all of the inventory and I will not be working with Mrs. Abetson. So Virgil quietly excuses himself and he heads down to the cellar again. I think he's looking for more wheels, right? Mm -hmm. And that's where he finds it. Another contraption there on the floor. So he's like, okay, someone's putting this there. It was obviously not there yesterday. He bends down, picks it up, puts it in his pocket, and he's interrupted by Fred. Mr. Oldman, Claire's on the phone for you. So Virgil takes out his handkerchief, grabs the phone. Hello? Like, he literally hates phones, I tell you that. Mrs. Betson is about to apologize for not being there, and uh, he interrupts her spare me my time miss butson you know i can't touch your things without a contract i agreed to proceed trusting that you would be here to sign this contract but yet again you fail to show up claire says well could you just leave it on the table in the hallway i'll sign it i promise you i'll accept your conditions whatever they are and i will sign it and in that moment one of his associates knocks over a ladder and it lands on the ground with a bang and another worker is like hey be careful but the odd thing is Virgil hears it from across the room, but he also hears it echoing in the phone.
1: Oh my gosh, she's home.
0: She's home. Weird. Why is she home? And why wouldn't she just say hi?
1: And he noticed that, right? Oh my god, that's weird.
0: So he's intrigued. He's perplexed even. He starts walking over to where the ladder is. And, uh, you know, she's talking. Listen, I understand your frustration, Virgil, but please believe me. It's all a series of unfortunate events, unintentional mishaps. So what exactly happened today? And as Virgil is letting Claire talk, he's going through each room and trying to listen to where the voice is sounding from, if he can hear her, if she's in the house, if he can hear any echoes, right? And why is she hiding? And she says, well, today my car was stolen and I had to go to the police station to report it stolen. Well, which police station did you go to? Well, the one in the city, of course. Where exactly? In the town square. Which square? Enough with the interrogation, Mr. Oldman. And Claire's voice clearly echoes in that room that Virgil is standing in, the one with all of the paintings, right? But just to be sure, he kicks over a chair and sure enough, he hears it on the phone. And he says, are you here, Mrs. Betson? She said, what? What kind of question is that? Are you here? I don't understand. If you're here, come out now and explain the meaning of this little game that you're playing, which, by the way, I do not find it to be amusing. She says, call me tonight and I'll explain everything. And she hangs up. So Virgil leaves and he goes back to Robert's and they're looking at like the cog wheels and just talking about it. And Robert says that it's very similar to the one that he got on the first day, but there is no inscription. And the technique of how the cog is attached to the axis, it's, it's really old. He's never seen it before. Robert says it looks like it's some sort of 18th century piece of art. Maybe some work? I mean, we could be onto something very big here, Virgil. It's it's interesting. So Virgil is intrigued, but he wants to do some more homework. Like, where the hell is Claire? And where, who were her parents? Where did she get these cogwheels? And why is he stealing them? So he sets up a lunch date with Fred. And he says, tell me about the Abetsons, Fred. Well, for the past few years, the old couple, they were unwell. The house was in a terrible state and Mr. Abetson always said that if they had to sell something that it would be with you. And how old is Claire? She's 27. That's definitely too young for a 60-year-old man like Virgil. But he was very intrigued by this. So uh, the man is thirsty. Men never grow up, okay? So he's like, wow, 27. <sighs> okay. So right, right? <laughs> he's intrigued. What else can you tell me about Claire? Uh, nothing really. I don't really know her. But you been working with the family for 10 years? How is that possible? And he slips some money under the table and Fred accepts it and he hesitates, but he says, well, I've been working with the family for 11 years to be exact, but I don't really deal with Claire. I just work with the parents. I've actually never seen Claire. Mm. What? What? I've not seen her once. Why? How does that make sense? Well, she suffers from a very strange illness. And then the the scene ends. We don't get to know, okay? And it cuts to Virgil at yet again another auction. And he says, um, this is Lot 93 by a valiant. Portrait of a lady. 16th century inspired by the portrait of a young girl. So this is that moldy plaque that's been restored. And uh, the one that's worth... Millions, the original, but he said that it's a forger, right? So it starts at 35,000 euros. Now, Snow is bidding on it, and an old woman in a wheelchair, she's also bidding against him. So it goes to 55, wow. then 60, 65, 70, and then they end the bid at 90,000. But both of them, the woman and Snow, say 90,000 at the same time. But Virgil says, sold to the man in the blue. And the woman, wow. she's pissed by this. She said, no, I got my bid in first. Why are you closing the bid? And everybody in the crowd says, yeah, I think they said it simultaneously. If not, I think she said it first. Why are you giving it to him? And she stands up and she says, I am one of the biggest collectors of valiant forgeries. And I will sue you for this. So, I mean, she's pissed. Virgil is pissed because he ends up having to give the painting to her. Selling it to her.
1: Oh, he lost it.
0: So he meets up with Snow in his office and he's mad. You were too slow. You didn't get your bid in on time. You didn't keep up with me for God's sake. You're losing it. And he says, this isn't the first time we messed up. I don't know what the big deal is. Because that wasn't a valiant forgery. It was a genuine one by Petrus Christus. It'll be worth 8 million euros.
1: Damn. 8 million
0: euros? So fed up, Virgil heads back to Claire's, and this time he stops at this cafe that's across from the mansion. And there's a woman sitting in a cafe, and she's in a wheelchair. But she's kind of creepy in the sense that, like, I'm gonna be honest with you, she keeps yelling at random numbers while she's just watching the mansion. So she's like, 918, 1, 119, 1404. And the numbers are, like, gradually getting higher, and then finally she shouts 8725. And it's just like, okay, what is she saying, right?
1: 1748. But it's, yeah. <laughs>
0: and it's just a little bit straight. It's just a little bit strange. But, um, you know, there's kind of an arcade in the cafe. So maybe it's got something to do with that. He just kind of ignores her. And she's just watching the mansion and watching Fred walk in with his little pile of groceries. And And Virgil keeps thinking, there's no way that all of those groceries are just for Fred, the caretaker. There's no way. So he gets back into his car and he drives off. Hey, Robert, any update? Listen, I cleaned them with this special fluid, and you won't believe this. Look. And he looked down with a magnifying glass, and it said the name Vakonsen, okay? Something very fancy. I can't believe it. Jacques Vakonsen. Bruh, that's definitely not how you say it. (laughs) 18th century constructor of automata automata but i don't even know what that means like he'd be making like automated sculptures or Mm. something and uh, virgil says when i was a student i did my thesis on him and virgil didn't even look excited but he's got this crazy poker face robert is fangirling at this point and he says he's incredible jackass is incredible he's he's his most famous android managed to talk It was the weirdest thing! People would pay to ask it questions, and the android would move its head and bow and give its reply. Virgil says, yeah, I bet someone was inside. And he says, more than likely, more than likely someone was inside. But the mystery is that nobody could explain how the automata got every answer correct. Personal questions about people's personal details, everything was correct. And Robert gets excited and he says, Virgil, you bring me the pieces and I promise I will put them back together exactly how Vakonsen would have done it. I don't doubt it, Robert. I don't doubt it. But I don't know if I can recover all the pieces. Virgil, I only need 80% of the pieces and I can reconstruct the rest myself. There's a hunk. Oh, but that's my girlfriend. Um, I have to go. She's picking me up for dinner. Would you like to join us? And Virgil says, no, no, no. no. You two go ahead. But you can kind of see how lonely Virgil is. I mean, he's just this lonely old fart with nobody to share his passion and his love with, right? It's just this lonely, sad, poor guy with millions of dollars of art in his hotel suite in the hotel that he owns, right? Really sad. I feel bad for him. I really do. We should start a GoFundMe for him. <laughs> <laughs> so he goes back into his office and Mr. Oldman, Mrs. Sabetson has called. She's on the phone. Well, what does she want now? She asked if you would meet her at 2.30. Where? At the mansion. So Virgil just can't help himself. He ends up going, even though he's really pissed off by this. He opens the iron gates, walks across the lawn into the house. There's no sign of Fred or Claire anywhere. I mean, the house seems empty. So he kind of goes from room to room, and he eventually ends up with a room with all the paintings. Like, I mean, this is the most beautiful room, right? Mm -hmm. And he hears a voice. But he can't see Claire. I'm extremely grateful for you coming, Mr. Oldman. How did you know it was me? Well, Fred has a limp. And Virgil is trying to find the source of her voice, so he starts walking around the room. It sounds really close, right? Mm -hmm. I have to say, how should I put it? You can speak your mind, Mr. Oldman. Well, your whimsical ways, these games, they're getting a bit tiresome. You know, he's upset, like he's saying, like, these games that you're playing, I'm getting exhausted of it. And she says, I do want to tell you what's going on, but it's not something that you would even believe me in anyway. If I didn't believe you, I wouldn't be here playing hide-and-seek, Claire. Okay, well, the truth is I don't see a lot of people and I I never leave the mansion. I never leave the villa. Actually, I haven't left this house since I was 15 years old. So at this point, he still doesn't see her, he just hears her voice. And she says that if there's anybody else in the house, she always locks herself in her room. And it's just the way she is. She's always done that. Even when my parents were here, I hardly ever saw them. I just don't see anybody. Why? Well, why do you go around with your hands covered by gloves? Well, mine is a question of hygiene. And and I don't see the connection between your issue and my issue. Well, Virgil, you're afraid of touching other people. Even touching their possessions disgusts you. And me, I'm afraid of seeing other people. Sounds like we have very, very similar problems. And Virgil's saying, like, you know, being a hermit and employing a caretaker, they don't really add up. And she says, well, I mean, it's just that somebody needs to take care of the villa. And when nobody is here, I go outside. But when people are here, I don't go outside. It's the very idea of even stepping foot out of this mansion. It paralyzes me with fear. So I hope that even knowing all of this, you can help me sell my parents' belongings. And he says, you have my word, Miss Benson." And she says, okay, well, feel free to deem any price you feel appropriate. I trust you fully with this whole process. Leave the contract on the table, and you'll find it signed by the next time that you come here. And Virgil listens to her. He leaves the contract on the table. He leaves, and he meets up with Robert. And he managed to steal another cogwheel this time that he was there. And uh, Robert is so stoked. He's, He's so excited. He even asked, how much would the automatron be worth if we managed to put it together? Like, if we really make it happen. Robert, think of a really, really high figure. Do you have one in mind already? Yes? Well, you probably thought too low. If everything goes well, you'll be very handsomely rewarded, Robert. Don't worry. Oh no, Virgil, I, I didn't mean to talk about money like that. I just wanted to let you know that even being able to do this is such a privilege and I feel so i feel so honored, honestly. I, I wasn't trying to say that I wanted to be paid or anything. And Virgil says, it's okay, Robert. I understand. And he goes back to Claire's, and in the cellar, he finds yet another piece that he pockets. And Fred screams for him. Claire would like to have a word with you, Mr. Oldman. So Virgil goes to the painting room, and behind the painting is a concealed door. Like, you can kind of see it, right? And um, it spits out a blue envelope from the bottom. So it's like this little hidden door, and it's a contract. It's been signed. And it's perfect. So he says, oh, this is great, but, Miss Butson, your personal details are missing. And so she slides him a passport underneath. And he starts looking at the details of her passport. I mean, he opens it up, this is clearly expired, like it's a passport of when Claire was 12 years old. And he's like, uh, Claire, this has expired a long time ago. Mr. Oldman, personal details never expire. It'll do enough for your purposes. And he sits down and fills out her information, but a flicker of light catches his eye. It's inside the painting. There was a little reflection of light. And he sees that the wing of the bird That's on the door has opened up. So it's little people. Huh. So she's watching him. And so he goes back to the door, he slides under her passport, and he's now eye level with Claire. And he sees Claire staring at him like they're eye to eye, right?
1: They can only see the eyeball. Yeah.
0: And she blurts out, kind of rudely, if I can add, You dye your hair. I'm disgusted by people who don't even trust their own hair. And Virgil's like, What? What? You're mad that I dye my hair? And so Virgil says, oh, yeah, well, I don't trust people who think they're so good and so amazing that they won't even come outside. And he storms out. And Fred is there and he's like, oh, Mr. Oldman, Claire wanted me to give you the keys. I'm off on Monday in case you guys are back for the inventory. Here are the keys. Just make sure you slam the door when you enter the house. Otherwise, she will get scared and she will panic. Mr. Oldman snatches the keys, gets back into his car, and during the weekend we see him picking up books on agoraphobia, which is pretty much you're too terrified to leave the house, right? You don't want to see people, you don't want to leave your house, like you literally get lightheaded at the sensation of even thinking about leaving your house. It's like a very real condition. And he even misses his hair dye appointment, he's letting his hair turn gray, he cancels it, but he doesn't show up to do inventory on Monday. In fact, it seems like days go by. His hair is like growing out all the way, and uh, he calls Fred, and he says, any news on Claire? I haven't talked to her since we got into that fight. And Fred says, I don't know. She has, I haven't called in days, and I've been in bed sick all week. I haven't been there. Well, then who brings her her food? Uh, I don't know. So Virgil gets into the car, he's like, oh my god, Claire could be dying, right? Drives all the way to her mansion, he rushes literally to the local grocery store near her mansion, picks up groceries, brings them in, wow. he slams the door as instructed, and he says, "Miss Batson, silence. Miss Batson, and he walks into the dining room, and there's some fruit. Some fruit skin and nuts and a bloody towel on the floor. What? So he runs back into the room and he's slamming on that hidden door and he's like, Miss Betson, answer me. Answer me. Claire, Claire. And finally, it's a voice and Claire is sobbing. And he's like, no, 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 no. Like I can help you. Right. And she's like, no, get out, get out. And he's like, Claire, it's okay. It's me. It's Mr. Oldman. There's nobody else here. Calm down, Claire. What's wrong? Tell me what happened. And she said, I wasn't well. I didn't know who else to call. And then I fell. I fell and I hit my head. And he said, open the door. You need to see a doctor. Open the door. And he tries to slam into the door. He tries kicking down the door. And she's just screaming, no, please, no, right? Mm-hmm. Now, we don't know how he helped, but it seems like Virgil did help Claire in somehow. I don't know if he went to, like, CVS and bought her some gauze. I don't know if, like, an ambulance came. I highly doubt it. I feel like he just bought her some, like, first aid kits, right? But she's all good now. And Virgil even buys a cell phone because he's worried next time something might happen to Claire. She's got to be able to call him, right? Mm. Wow. I know. Mm -hmm. He's even acquired a new painting for his wall of scams, which there's no more room, honestly, but he's putting another one up, and he's gazing at his wall of questionable morality, and his new phone rings, and it's Claire. Is this a bad time, Mr. Oldman? No, not at all, Mr. Betson. You can call me whenever. Well, I just wanted to thank you for everything, really. Oh, well, no need. It's just important that you're feeling better and, uh, yeah, sounds good. And Claire says, well, I just wanted to tell you that I looked over all the inventory and you've done a great job, but I'm kind of troubled. I'm not sure if it's a good idea to sell anymore. What would you advise? And he said, well, I can't say. I don't know what your plans are. Why do you even want to sell in the first place? Out of necessity, maybe? To start fresh? I don't know. I'd even sell this house, but... It just feels far too big for me now. But the idea of moving, it, it fills me with dread. Where would I go? Where? How would I even leave? Well, Claire, you have all the time in the world to make up your mind. You think so? Well, all the time in the world until the catalogs are printed. <laughs> so they both laugh, all right? He's like, once I print the catalogs, you gotta sell your And she's kind of opening up to him about how she feels paralyzed at the thought of leaving the house and how she can't even work and he's like, I didn't even know you worked! She said, well, I write novels, I write books, but don't you dare look for them because I write under a pseudonym. You're not gonna know and uh, it's nothing good anyway. And he, he tries to comfort her and he says, artists always hate what they make. I love making watermelon rice triangles. I really do. And I love talking to you and filming these lame videos that I hope that you love. If it means, you know, you can smile a little bit. Maybe you can look forward to it. This is like the stuff that I look forward to. But you know what I don't look forward to? No offense, but it's emails. It's stressful. And I'm always worried about my grammar and how I sound and what what is the person receiving my email gonna think about me? Like it's a lot. And with Grammarly, I can spend a whole lot less time doing that. I can spend less time stressing over these emails and how I sound and like, oh my gosh, do you think that they're gonna understand what I'm saying and I can spend more time on making watermelon rice triangles because that's where my passion is, okay? Grammarly is an all-in-one writing tool that lets you clearly and effectively communicate your ideas. Like you guys know that I find it really hard to say no in any setting or like to be assertive. And it's really bad in emails because I start rambling and I start giving 25 million reasons why I can't do it and how sorry I am. But Grammarly has helped me so many times where I was saying no and maybe I was rambling too much and they said, let's do a full sentence rewrite. Let's change this to this. Let's make this message more clear, more assertive, more concise all the while maintaining a friendly and formal tone. Like, that's how advanced Grammarly Premium is. I don't know what I would do without it. I didn't have to sweat behind the computer, like, because Grammarly does all the hard work for me, and I love their clarity adjustments, their tone detector, and I like that it just helps me effectively communicate and avoid all that weird miscommunication. It also helps me sound a lot more confident and polished in emails, which, I mean, that's literally all I need. And you can use it for everything, not just emails. I'm talking those essays. Pitches you can even use it for tweets and text messages So get through your emails quicker and keep it concise and confident and effective with Grammarly So go to Grammarly.com BAM to sign up for a free account and when you're ready to upgrade to Grammarly Premium Get 20% off just by being our listener. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash BAM Thank you Grammarly for sponsoring today's episode and so, you know, they're really flirting. It's a very interesting relationship. He's clearly 60 and she's clearly 27, but love knows no age. Honestly, I have no problem with this age gap because she's not freshly 18. That would be alarming. But 27, you know, you're pretty much an adult. So. He decides that he's going to go over with all of his inventory and sit down in that painting room and check off one by one. And Claire would talk to him and she would tell him if she actually wants to sell it or if she wants to keep it. And it's honestly a really sweet thing to do. He probably wouldn't have done this for any other client. Most of the time, they're flirting instead of, you know, anything else. And at the end, he decides that he's going to leave. So he goes to the door and he's about to slam it shut, but he just can't help himself. He hesitates. So he sl- opens the door, slams it shut, but he hasn't left. He's inside the house still, and he hides behind he a He pretend panting. he left. Wow, Yo, this is like K
1: drama or something. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and he's just too curious, too excited. And uh, Claire opens her little secret door, mm-hmm. and we see her ripe twenty-seven-year-old Claire. Sixty-year-old Virgil sees her, and wow the juices be pumping, I guess, okay? Because it's a lot. He's hiding behind a sculpture, and Claire heads, heads out of the hidden door to the main door so that she can lock it and she's in her pajama bottom. She's got this messy hair. She's got this loose sweater on. She's barefoot. And of course, she's freaking beautiful, which is crazy because if I don't see people, this is the best I can do. And I'm seeing people. If I'm not seeing people, you're not getting none of this ever, right? You're
1: still beautiful.
0: (sighs) Bruh. And so she's... <laughs> also
1: touching.
0: I can't think straight. What happens next? <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> so she's freaking beautiful. And Virgil decides that now that he's laid his eyes on her, he needs a distraction in order to leave. So he calls her on his phone. And she rushes to her room to pick it up. And he rushes out and leaves, right? And he leaves. And he's on the phone with her. And meanwhile, he's just giggle-gaggling. Like, literally, it's a man in love. 60-year-old man in love. Meanwhile, Virgil has another man meeting with Snow. And in Snow's hands is the portrait of a lady. And He says, how did you? I can't believe it. But that woman got it. The woman, she outbid it. I know, Virgil, I couldn't sleep at night. I had to do something to make it up to you. I just, I wanted you to forgive me. But how did you even get it in the first place? Well, I heard the lady was having some financial problems. So I persuaded her to sell it to me for $250,000. Not exactly cheap, But I I figured it was reasonable. You were talking about how it's eight million euros? Okay, well, how much do you want for it, Snow? What? No, I don't want a penny more than I gave the old lady. I I know, I, I feel like you think that I'm losing my grip and I only did this so we could go back to where we were. No animosity, no anger. I just wanted to win back your trust. Wow. And Virgil said, if you did this to win back my trust, you had a very bad deal because you never lost my trust in the first place.
1: Wow. Wow. wow these people. people. And Virgil
0: surprises Snow by giving him a hug. And he goes back to Claire's, I guess Virgil in love is a new man, right? And this time he sees the lady in the wheelchair again, the one across from the cafe, and she's talking to another woman. Some kind of mathematical, philosophical stuff, talking about random numbers, right? And honestly, it doesn't seem like she's lost her mind. If anything, she seems like she's far more intelligent than us mere mortals, but it's still strange though. Like, it's confusing what she's talking about. Even an intellectual like Virgil is very confused. He goes to Claire's and he starts talking about the valuations, and he tells her claire you're ruining your life you know for reasons that are beyond me this illness is killing you it's absurd it's so absurd it seems unreal how could you spend the best years of your life in your room and she said i know my mother thought that i was faking it the first time we were abroad in uh, paris and i got so scared when we were walking by the eiffel tower i was just this little girl but it kept happening more and more and then my mother realized that i wasn't faking it Well, Claire, is there a place that you were not anxious ever? Only once. It was in Prague during a school trip. Um, I was 14 years old, and in the town square, there was this astronomical clock. I must have walked around it a hundred times, and it was beautiful. And I still vividly remember there was this restaurant with very strange decor, and it was the only place in the world that I'm nostalgic, and I miss it what's the cafe called? Night and day. Did you ever go back? Oh, no, never. Why not go now? I would be happy to take you. And she doesn't respond. Two days later, it's Claire's birthday. So he decides that, you know, he's like, okay, well, I gotta get her something. I gotta get her something beautiful for the beautiful girl. So he gets her this beautiful pink bouquet and he shows up to the mansion. But Claire is in a bit of a mood. She said she read the documents. And she said, um, you know, I read it all. Well, Claire, did you manage to understand some of it? Of course! Ridiculous sums of money, Virgil! Even a child would know that she's being cheated. I'm not trying to cheat you, Claire. All of these things need interpretations. They're starting bids, there will be higher bids later. And what if there aren't, Virgil? unlikely but in that case we will you know even things out we'll raise the margins on other pieces and claire is yelling now you're trying to cheat me you fucking thief and um yeah and he's upset he's like i resign this commission like right now i'm gonna leave and she's like i'll have mr mediocre replace me immediately like you're doing me a favor like it was insane so they get into this huge fight and she's like, do me a favor and disappear off the face of the earth. And he leaves the house. He throws the flowers in the air and he storms off. He goes to a nearby restaurant to drown his sorrows in wine. And that's when he sees it. He sees Robert playfully feeding someone that is not his girlfriend.
1: Robert is cheating on, on his, girlfriend. His, his girlfriend. Okay.
0: And uh, I mean, I don't think he really cares. Okay. But just a little sad, you know? Um. I guess love isn't real, and uh, the phone rings, and it's Claire. I'm sorry, Mr. Oldman. Old I behaved so poorly. I've never been given flowers before, and I hate that I have to keep making these justifications for myself. I just i feel bad for yelling at you. And he says, no need to apologize. I'm not angry with you. My birthdays have always been horrible as well. Yeah, but my birthdays have always been so horrible until you came around, and you've just kind of turned my life upside down. The other day, I went downstairs to the main floor and I looked out into the garden. Well, did you go out? No! I would never go that far, but I thought about it. Do you want me to come over? And she said, yes. So he scar back to the villa with this little glass of wine that he just had. He's feeling excited. He puts his chair facing that wall near her, and uh, they start talking about how there's treatments nowadays and how she can get help, and maybe you can talk to a shrink. And she says, I'd rather talk to you than talk to a shrink. And so the two of them, they start chit-chatting, and then he pretends to leave again that night, hoping she'll come out. And he can get another glimpse of her, right? This time, she just took a shower, and she's in a very thin robe. Yeah, of course. And, uh, (laughs) yeah, her phone rings, and this time it's not Virgil. It sounds like it's an agent. And she says, yeah, I'm clearing out the furniture. It's been complicated, but no worries. I'm going to get back to dealing with it. Oh, yeah, and Mr. Oldman is handling it, you know, which is surprising because he's not as old as you might think. Why? Are you jealous? Am I in love? No, no. I'm not in love. At least I don't think so. I'm sure he's too put off by my illness, just like everybody else. And then there's a thump. And she says, oh shoot, I have to call you back. I just hurt my foot, right? So she walks over to the couch and her toe is bleeding. So of course, naturally, she sucks her toe.
1: What? Doesn't yeah. Use napkin.
0: Yeah, like her. When she is, picks
1: her feet up. Yeah,
0: and it just gives Mr. oldman a full view of the hoo ha, like butt naked hoo ha. Whoa. Whoa, whoa, and, whoa, whoa, uh, whoa. Yeah, he's just getting full. Whoa. He is so excited, so worked up. Like, wow. I mean, he drops his phone. That's how excited <laughs> he was. So she hears this noise, panics, runs into her room, and is calling him. So he rushes out of the house and picks up, and he's like, Oh my god, oh my god, what's? Going What's going on Claire? What's what's up with the call? And she said, there's someone in my house, there's someone in my house. So he's like, I'll be right there. So he pretends to drive all the way back to Claire's and he's wiping his sweat off because he just saw a 27-year-old hoo-ha, right? <gasps> he's very excited so he runs back in and he's like Claire it's me it's me I'm here what's going on and she's like there's someone in the house and he's like it's okay there's no one in the house I'm gonna check the whole place it is it's okay but it's clear that she's having an anxiety attack so he feels like he just needs to tell her the truth and he tells her Claire it was me I hid in the room so that I could see you and she screams you were spying on me get out And he bows his head and he starts walking down the stairs. But as he's walking, he hears a voice right behind him that says, Please, Virgil, don't go. And Claire is out of her room. (laughs) And uh, he walks up to her and says, Believe me, Claire, I don't normally behave like this. And she said, Neither do I.
1: No, this is better than Romeo and Juliet. Yeah.
0: And he touches her cheek and he says, I didn't mean to hurt you. It's just, I couldn't help myself. I had to see you. And he comes back to Robert's place afterwards with another piece. And Virgil isn't even intrigued by this automatron anymore. He just is obsessed with Claire. And he keeps telling Robert, you should have seen her. She's beautiful. And she had this look of some creature that was terrified of the universe. Which, side note, I tell you, men's fascination with a fearful, vulnerable woman is something else and incredibly alarming and makes me a little bit disgusted. But he was like, she looked like this fearful creature, a scared of the universe, and I got a boner. Like what? (laughs) She looks terrified of the world and you got a hard on from that. You need therapy. 60 year old Virgil, you need therapy. Thank you very much. Right. And, um, He slowly starts dating Claire. Claire starts coming out of her room. He's buying her outfits. She's putting them on, asking him to zip her up, and he's getting bonbons. Yeah, it's all functioning down there, you know? Even Virgil's secretary is getting frustrated. Like, you're neglecting your other clients. He buys her dresses and makeup, and, you know, the first time she tries putting on makeup, yeah, because she's beautiful without makeup, right? The first time she tries putting on makeup, it's not good. And he's like, it's okay, Claire. You'll get better with practice and she's pissed off by this and then what? I get better with practice and you'll take me to one of your auctions with all these elegant people and to a refined, beautiful restaurant you just want to fix me so that you can take me outside that's the reason for all these presents, Virgil you think it's not? and she slams the door shut and she refuses to come out so he leaves, dejected And he goes to Robert and he asks for advice and young Robert tells her, be nice to her. You need to do something nice and surprise her. Maybe like a candlelit dinner. Not at a restaurant, but at home, at her place. And tell her she's beautiful. So he sets up this little dinner and she comes out in a fancy floor-length dress because why the fuck not when you're rich? And uh, her makeup is done perfectly this time. And he says, you're radiant, Claire. You did all of this? And uh, they start, he removes his gloves. Takes her hand in his and he bends down Dang. to kiss her hand, but he doesn't touch her skin with his lips.
1: Dang. And so oh.
0: she says, Virgil, thank you. And she kisses him on the cheek. And the camera pans to the statue that Virgil always hid behind to spy on Claire. And I tell you, I almost shit my pants. Why, why, why? Because there behind that statue was Robert. Watching? Watch. The whole time? The
1: whole time. What?
0: So you're like, what the fork, right? Um, I'm assuming that Virgil invited him to spy on the date so that Robert could not only see Claire but give him better advice next time on what to do with Claire. Yeah, because he keeps looking at the statue, too. So it's kind of like maybe this inside thing. But I tell you, I almost pooped myself. Okay, like, (laughs) what? So Virgil starts opening up about his life at Claire's urging. And he says it's nothing really special. A child loses his parents, and I went to a horrible orphanage. The only point of interest in my childhood was that the nuns would punish me by making me work with a restorer who had a workshop there. He handled art and it was beautiful. So I loved to watch the craftsmen work and I I would get in trouble on purpose so that I could go there as often as possible. And I quickly became acquainted with art, techniques of painting, how to tell a forgery from an original and that's how I am, the way I am now. So after their date, Virgil goes to Rogers and first of all, I mean, he tells him, Virgil, you're a born seducer. You know that, Mr. Old Man? I give you an A+. Plus. What do you think of Claire, Robert? What do you think? Well, if I didn't know about her illness, I would think that she's completely normal and she's a lot more beautiful than you ever said. But I would like to give you some advice, Mr. Oldman, if I may. I would say that you pray that your girl never gets better. What do you mean? Well, that doesn't make sense because if she gets better, she's going to find someone better. So Robert, you know, he's a good right-wing man, right? A few days later, Robert's girlfriend tracks down Virgil and asks her, asks him, do you know what's going on? No? I mean, what's, what do you mean what's going on? I know that this is wildly inappropriate and I know that you just work with Robert, but I was just wondering, since you guys are so close recently, if he's cheating on me. And Virgil's like, oh shoot. And He's like, why would you think such a thing? And Sarah says, I don't know. He keeps talking about a Claire, someone named Claire. I just thought you might know, but in case you don't, Robert is someone that you have to be on your guard at all times. Being in a relationship with him, I've realized that you can't fully trust him. And she left. What? And Virgil takes her advice and demands all of the automatron pieces back from Robert. And he's so confused. He's saying, Virgil, why are you doing this? And he just says, you're not the trustworthy man that I thought you were. And he walked off. And he goes back to visit Claire, who lets her into his room. Well, it's more like um like an apartment, I guess. Like there's a hallway, there's a living area, there's a nice little office area, a bedroom in her unit. Like it's it's intense. And then um she approaches him and they make out. Oh yeah, Beautiful. they make out and they do it.
1: Woo la, la Yeah.
0: And then eventually, uh, Robert and Virgil make up. So he gives back the pieces and is like, please assemble them. So that was like a weird side note thing that happened. Anyways, back to Claire. Now this guy is buying her a diamond ring. Like, it's not like an official engagement ring, but it's a very, very big ring so he brings it to the mansion but she's nowhere to be found she's not in her room she's not in the house where the hell is she so he panics he goes to the cafe and he's like has anybody seen like a woman leave the house and everybody is kind of ignoring him nobody's talking to him he calls robert he calls fred and you know someone said i think i saw her walk towards the park the the old woman in the wheelchair is like i think i saw her walk towards the park He's like, are you sure? Why would she be walking towards the park? So he starts going to the park and he rushed out of that cafe so fast that he almost got hit by a car and the three guys, they were just looking for Claire everywhere. And that is when his phone rings. It's snow. Mr. Oldman, have you forgotten? The auction's today. Where are you? Everybody's waiting. So he's like, oh sh- He rushes to the auction, he's drenched in sweat, he shows up, his hair is messy. Everyone notices this is not the regular Virgil Oldman. What is happening to this guy, right? He's stumbling over his words, he's not even auctioning off the piece as well. And when he goes into his pocket to take out his handkerchief, a ring box falls out and everybody's like, shocked, is this man in love or something? Everybody's whispering about how unprofessional he's being and some people are laughing at him. But he doesn't care. In the middle of an auction, he literally picks up the phone to say, Have you guys found her yet? Okay, keep me updated. Damn. So this guy is in love. He's scared to call 911 because he's scared that the press would find out and then that would only scare Claire more about, you know, everything. He even fills Snow in on everything. And it's his first time even hearing of Claire, Snow. He's shocked. He said, I would never guess that you would end up in a mess like this. I don't even know how I can help you. I mean, it just seems unlikely that she would run away. Do you think someone abducted her, Snow? I, I don't know. Well, I think that someone became obsessed with her and decided to take her by force. Don't you think? I, I don't know who would do something like that. Well, I have my doubts about Robert. The young guy that does the mechanics? Why him? I mean, from the literary point of view, he fits the bill. The young knight rescuing the damsel in distress from the clutches of the old man. Don't go overboard, Virgil. That's too much. She could have run away on her own. But, Snow, I just don't see why she would leave me. Well, Virgil, human emotions are like works of art. They can be forged. And they can seem like the original, but they are a forgery. A forgery? Everything can be faked, Virgil. Even love. And Virgil goes home, looking depressed, and he thinks to himself, Oh my god, like what if- wait a minute! What if there's other secret rooms in the villa that he doesn't know about? So he rushes back to the mansion, and with Fred, he starts looking for other rooms. He even checks in the attic, and there's nothing there. But then they hear sobbing, and it's Claire. And she said, you've come back, you've come back. And they can't hear her, but she's behind another door.
1: There is another room. Mm -hmm.
0: And she said, you've come back, I thought you abandoned me. And he bursts through the door, finds her alone, crying. And uh, he helps her downstairs, Run to her bath Yeah, she's butt naked And he's sitting by her And she's talking about how happy she was in Prague At that day, night and day cafe She really loved it
1: So was she missing or not?
0: No, I think she had, like, tried to leave the house at one point and then freaked out and then went into another room.
1: Okay, okay. Yeah,
0: and uh, Virgil, I guess, saved her. I don't know. The whole thing is a little bit bizarre. And on top of that, it even gets worse, okay? Because the next time that uh, Virgil visits her house... It's a very like a dark, gloomy, rainy night. The woman in the wheelchair is watching out the cafe and watching Virgil walk towards Claire, or walk towards Claire's house and she sees three men approach him and they just jump him. They literally beat him up outside of Claire's house and they try to take his keys and everything. So it seems like a mugging. And Claire sees this through the window and she starts panicking. And in the rain, she runs out of the house. Yeah,
1: wow. in the soaking rain, wow.
0: and Virgil is unconscious, but the next time he comes to, he's being wheeled into the operating room, on a stretcher, and Claire is soaking wet, running next to him. <gasps> God, so she wow. left the house for him, and so since then- Are you
1: okay, then? Huh? This is so, like, beautiful, man. Right?
0: <laughs> and since then, you know, he recovered, but he's walking with a cane, and she is out of the house. She doesn't go out to like cafes and restaurants with him, but she goes to his place and she's taking care of him and they're making out and they're doing it. And then he tells her that he needs to show her something. So we can assume that it's been weeks and he hasn't shown her his secret room yet. Mm. But he finally goes to the glove box display Mm -hmm. and shows it to her. He unlocks it and she's amazed. I mean, this girl loves art. She's looking around and he says, I've been collecting them all my life. And she says, so I'm not the first then. You've brought other women in here. Yes, and I loved them all and they loved me back. But they all taught me to wait for someone like you. And now that you're here, we, me and the paintings, would like you to come live with us and make this beautiful hotel your home. And she said, oh Virgil, I just want you to know that if anything should ever happen to us, I do love you. And he said, I love you too. The two of them go to a fancy dinner date with Robert and Sarah, so she's like really out the house now. And Virgil announces that he's planning on retiring. So he's so excited, he's going to one more auction in London for the week, and that's gonna be his last auction ever. And hopefully, hopefully, Claire will go to Prague with him. They can go to the Night and Die cafe. And, uh, you know, she's a little bit nervous, and she says, I just feel like a week is too long. I know I can't get on a plane yet, but that's a really long time for us to be apart. And he says, it's okay, you can be at the hotel, you can feel comfortable, do whatever you want. A week is gonna fly by. So the whole time he's in London, he ends it with a bang. Even snow shows up, flies to London to give his respect to Virgil's last auction. And he says, snow, I just want you to know, Virgil, I'm happy for you, and I'm going to miss you. You were fantastic. And he says, you say it like we'll never meet again, Snow. I know, I'm just nostalgic already. Well, you'll get over it. If I get over it, you'll get over it. To remind you of what a great artist I could have been if you had just believed in me, Virgil. I've sent you one of my paintings. And Virgil looked at him, and he winked, and he said, I promise I'm not going to burn it. So he comes back home and he goes to his hotel and his, um, you know, his, like, door person is like, oh, here's the painting that your friend Snow sent. And he's carrying it and he walks into his unit and he's like, Claire, Claire, I'm back. Claire. And He's walking around. Mm -hmm. And the suite is empty. And so he's like, okay, maybe she's at her villa. So he goes to the glove box display so that he can uh, put his new painting in, Mm -hmm. the one that Snow gave him into his painting room. And he looks at the painting closer, and he realizes it's a painting that he saw in Claire's mansion. He's like, huh, that's weird. Mm -hmm. Maybe Claire bought one of Snow's paintings? What a small world? He didn't really think of it. And he opens the door, and he drops the painting. Every single thing in that room, every single painting worth millions of euros, is gone.
1: No freaking way. (laughs) So Claire, Claire stole it?
0: Except the Automatron that Robert had built. And in Robert's voice, the machine said, there was always something authentic concealed in every forgery. That's why I'll miss you, Mr. Old Man. It wasn't just Claire. It was Snow, Claire and Robert. (laughs)
1: Oh my god!
0: The next scene is Virgil in a mental hospital. He's a broken man. He's being wheeled around. He's aged 10 years, his hair is messy, and we get a flashback. He found everything empty, and the whole time, he's just crying. I mean, he couldn't, he didn't even know what to do. He rushes to Claire's mansion, and everything's been taped off, and he goes to the cafe across the way, and he talks to that woman in the wheelchair. And he says, do you know where that woman went? Do you know where the woman went? Did they clear all the furniture? And she says, the woman, what do you mean? This is your 10th time at the cafe today. He's like, what, that's so random, but where is Claire? Where is the woman that lives across the way? You've been at the cafe nine times before today. Today makes your 10th. Okay, but I was wondering if you saw the woman leave the villa, medium height, light hair, a bit pale. Ah, yes, that was 231, what? 231 times she left the mansion. I saw it.
1: Holy. Holy. This guy got finesse, finesse, finesse. He's <laughs> like, are you sure? Oh my. That doesn't make God. any sense.
0: Claire has only left a few times ever since she's met me. Now, then another six. In the year and a half, 139. I saw her go out 237 times. You were at the villa 63 times, 36 times during the day, 27 at night, excluding the night of the accident. I'm the one that called the ambulance, by the way. The villa is free now, if you're interested. I could get you a good deal. I know the owner. Who's the owner? Me. The past two years I was renting it to an engineer. He was wonderful, he, was, he would fix anything in the house. He was really good with anything mechanical. There was practically nothing he couldn't fix. Robert, Robert was renting that house. Ah! So Virgil rushes to Robert's workshop and the place is closed. Everything is empty, it's out for lease again. Wow. And Virgil goes home, he tries calling everyone. Snow, nothing. The only painting he's left with is Snow's painting. And so he picks it up and he looks at the back and it's signed, to Virgil with affection and gratitude, snow. And he realizes that he was tricked by everyone he's ever trusted, and he has nothing else that he could do. So he buys a ticket to Prague to visit that cafe, and he's waiting for Claire. Now, the cafe is called Night and Day, and the the waiter said, are you on your own, sir? He said, no, I'm waiting for someone. So it's kind of up in the air. He said that um, he believed Claire would come because her love was a forgery, a very convincing one. But every forgery has some authenticity. But then the other interpretation is that he will wait night and day for her and she will never come.
1: Yeah, obviously she won't come. Like, damn! This was like... Why they do that to him, though? Bro. This is the greatest freaking... Virtual, dude. Story, bro. This is the greatest the story. Like, I learned so much. Never love. Never love. Never love.
0: Don't do it. Don't love. It's too much. You know? Like, what's the point of oh love? Oh my
1: god. I did not expect the ending like this. What did you expect? I, I thought they would actually get in love. Yeah. She actually changed him into mm-hmm. a better man. Mm-hmm. And happily ever after. And kind of like that. Kind of like, like that. Damn. I thought Robert was the one that, kidnapped or Mm. abducted the girl. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Claire, Claire. (laughs) Wow. So he still loves her. He still loves her. He's in love, love. Would you still love me if
0: I stole every bit of everything from you?
1: Heck no. And I left. Yeah.
0: Would you go to the cafe? Stop.
1: I will. Stop. Would you go to
0: Heidi Lau and wait for me?
1: Yes. I'm waiting for her. Yeah, wait. So what if what if she stole everything? Everything that you have? Yeah, everything. Yeah, like everything behind the wall, like all there. Yeah. All my collections. Yeah. Take it off
0: What if I stole that one hundred dollar painting right there? One hundred. That might hurt
1: a little. It will hurt, but.
0: But you would forgive me.
1: I will forgive you, day and night.
0: Day and night. It's actually night and day.
1: Night and day. Night and day. day. Wow. Would you actually? Wow. We say that phrase one more time. There's always.
0: There's always some authenticity in every forgery.
1: What are they trying to I, say? I, I do believe though
0: That she I, loved him a little bit she,
1: she has some feelings
0: Because that's what they were saying So, um, the movie, there was a scene where he talks about how the reason that you can tell an authentic from a forgery is because no matter how good a forger is, they can't help themselves from putting a little bit of their own touch into each forgery
1: mm. And this was her
0: touch She didn't need to tell him about this cafe
1: She didn't Mm. need to, you know. That's true. Yeah.
0: So this was her touch. Dang. So did she love him?
1: I think so. Partly.
0: Maybe a tiny bit. But do you think he deserved it? Do you think Virgil deserved all of
1: this? No. Not to that extent. But what I mean, yeah, yeah, he has scammed some people, but But a lot of them are just rich people. Yeah. It's just how dark it is. snow. Snow, he gave Snow so much money. Yeah. Okay, fine, the painting worth $8 How million. Hey, down she if, if he give you $30,000. 30, yeah, I would take the
0: $30,000 and be very happy. I'd be because grateful. Because I don't know anything about no, it. Are you
1: kidding me? I would never yeah. be able to find a painting that's worth- How can you betray worth... someone like that? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know why. I guess greed got to, dude, but that's crazy, dude. Why
0: did Robert do it?
1: Robber? I th- I never liked Robber since the beginning. Mm. Like he gave me that sketchy, like, sketchy vibe. Maybe just a scam yeah. artist. Mm. Probably. I feel so bad for him. Like I got it. Like, bro, right. I mean, he, he finally. I mean, okay, changed. fine. I mean, the man's probably still loaded. Yeah. Right. He's still rich. Mm-hmm. But I think he lives for those paintings. right? He lives for them. Yeah. Yeah, but he shouldn't have stole.
0: No. Right. He shouldn't I mean, have. Even stole. if he was
1: rich, it's like his mental state now. It's, right. 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 It's, exactly. It's broken. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But he did. You know scam those art
0: yeah yeah i don't know how i feel about this one i like it though if they ended up happy in the end i would have been like what the heck
1: mm-hmm. too, too predictable yeah, yeah. i would have
0: been like cool mm-hmm. everybody's in love <laughs> fine <Wow. laughs> the ending was it blew me and then the fact that he went to the cafe again oh. like do you think he loved her more than the paintings then
1: Oof. I think so. Whoa. I think she he likes her more than the painting. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Because he's the one who gave uh, uh, everything. So speech. he just wants her back. Yeah. He probably doesn't even care about the painting yeah. back. Oh my god. I mean, you know, if Claire stayed with him, Claire yeah. would probably inherit yeah. all the paintings. That too. Anyways. Oh, the, but those paintings on the paper it doesn't belong to him that's it true. belongs to snow holy oh holy. so snow got all these paintings now oh
0: mm. <laughs> damn well if i see some rich dude with paintings uh, come on honey wait, i, I got a lot of painting behind you okay <laughs> come on you want
1: to buy some we just gotta get yeah. it authenticated this is right. from 1860 yeah. guys
0: well stay wow. safe out there and you know I might have to hide these in a secret room somewhere <laughs> <laughs> We can't have this out and about These I think that one was like $12 That one's from my mom's house <laughs> Oh, there we have um, a little trinket Turns out it's a soy sauce container Oh Yes, yeah, soy sauce dish The square dish right there oh It's a, It's not art, it's a soy sauce dish I hope you guys enjoyed today's Yeah, that was, that was fun, that was fun and tendons uh, traumatized. I hope you guys enjoyed and I will see you guys tomorrow. Bye.